Welcome to The Dime. I'm Drew Danikian. Another amazing day of playoff basketball. I'm joined by Jeremy Harche. How are you doing today, Jeremy? Very good, very good, Drew. It'll have to be a super efficient podcast today, but I'm very excited to uh, talk all things NBA playoffs. I don't see how it can't be with the two st- starting guards, mate. I think we're off to a good start already. Um, massive game six. We both watched it. Oklahoma City down the wire, down the stretch. CP3, the man takes over yet again and delivers OKC and their fans a massive victory, setting up uh, a winner-takes-all game seven. Oh, I was I was oozing, melting in my seat, just watching him go one-on-one against Covington and deliver against one of the best defenders, um, the longest defenders in the league, seven-foot-five wingspan. Uh, he crossed him over on countless occasions, couple of big threes, mid-range jumpers, and I can't believe that they reviewed that foul. Maybe they just wanted a bit of a timeout anyway, get a bit of a breather, draw something up, and what came out of it wasn't anything amazing either. What I, what I found amazing is that I thought Houston did enough today. I really thought, because Covington, as you mentioned, his, some of his defensive plays were incredible. The uh, commentary mentioned how individually ferocious Houston are on defense, which is incredible to say, but they couldn't be as successful as they are unless they were like that, considering their size disparity. But like I've seen the whole series is that Houston just sort of feel like they've already won. They look like a team that's already won, whereas OKC looks like a team that's playing game five of the regular season. They're just going through the motions and doing their thing. And during periods of the game, especially at the start, it, uh, it uh, didn't serve them well. It looked like they are going to get blown off the court, but they yeah. kept coming, kept coming. Dort, you know, dropped his shooting numbers, uh, you know, <laughs> attempts down by a quarter. He made a couple of threes. Hit two big ones, yeah. One in the fourth, I but think. the main thing is he just didn't keep shooting like he did in the previous game. He, he kept it in his back pocket. And the other thing is that they had Chris Paul and Houston had Russell Westbrook. And in the last five minutes, that was the difference. It was, wasn't it? Chris Paul just took over and demanded the ball. He got the switch. Um, Gilgis Alexander came out, set the pick. They switched on that. He got Covington, got the bigger guy, the slower guy, but still had to get the job done and some big, 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 big buckets. Mate, it was incredible. But he also got a bit of help today. Gallinari hit back in a big way after going one point over in the game five. So outstanding performance by him, hitting some big buckets himself and keeping OKC within striking distance in that fourth quarter. What I thought was quite incredible to watch in terms of, you know, whether it's uh, owning the game or really taking it upon yourself to finish the game, um, Chris Paul was incredible, but it was very much playing within himself. He wasn't doing heroics. He wasn't doing crazy stuff. He wasn't hitting incredibly weird and wonderful shots like James Harden can do, like Russell Westbrook can do in a different way. He just did his thing and he played through the game and he just kept playing through the game. And despite the fact, like at one point, I'm sure you saw it in that final minute, uh, OKC had a run out, three on one. And Stephen Adams was the one that had the ball in his hand in the end. And you missed Mr. Bunny. And you missed a bunny. And he missed missed, a bunny. He's missed lots of bunnies all season. All yeah. It's a bit like Gobert for Utah. You, if you have that big guy that gets the high percentage shots, you have to make that every time. Uh, and especially in the final minute, they missed it. Russell Westbrook, got a, who had just turned the ball over, got a, uh, a shot to tie it up again. 
and thought that was OKC's chance to nail the game. Yeah. And uh, they just kept coming, kept coming. I have to give a real good shout-out. And he didn't make that many shots in the second half. But I thought Shea Gildas-Alexander really showed. Defensively. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the first half, though, he was really good on the ball. He hit some really good shots. But he looked the part. He looked like he was, all right, now I'm in a playoff series. It's taken me six games to really get to feel comfortable. But he made some really important shots in the first half when Houston could have potentially run away with it. He just didn't look phased. And even, uh, even down the stretch, he, did, he, didn't, he missed a shot. I was waiting for him to maybe hit a couple more shots down the stretch, and I could really give him some praise. But as you just alluded to, his defense was excellent. He didn't do anything stupid, didn't do any bad turnovers. And that's all they needed. When you no crazy to... fouls. No. Not sending Harden to the line. Absolutely. And, and that's what it was. It was facing him up, like face guarding him at times, and ball denial, and forcing somebody else in Houston to create a shot, take a shot, and make a shot. And we saw on the switch, uh, Westbrook and Harden and Gildas Alexander closed out so well on Harden off the screen that Harden gave up on the play. Westbrook turned the corner, pulled up for his patent mid-range jump shot and drew nothing but net, but an air ball. I mean, like... Nothing but net. Yeah. It was like a foot and a half and short of the bucket. Somehow saved it for him. Yeah. Him in the game. I mean, there, there is no way you can take anything out of James Harden, uh, take away from James Harden today. He did everything he had to do, played within himself, got to the line. There's just something funny about the dynamics between the stars. And it's not even that Russell and James don't get on. There's something about the coaching style that both these coaches, to be honest, they do allow their players a lot of leeway. They're not Rick Carlisle. They let them play. Yeah. When you have Chris Paul, you can let them play because he will demand... He's a mini-coach. Yeah. He knows, anyone on his team knows, if they do something stupid... They will feel the wrath. They'll feel the wrath. Oh, yeah. On Houston, if you do something stupid, D'Antoni just says, keep shooting, keep doing it, keep doing it. You know, there's not that comeuppance. And also, when you have the 1A and 1B star, it can also cause some problems. It didn't look as though James was saying to Russell, give me the ball. No, he didn't. He didn't come after the ball he was kind of just subdued in a way but also I think he just fell into a lull because of SGA's great defense on him and that was the difference we saw a turnover as well Westbrook turned the corner drove dish to Covington but he found the ref on the sideline big turnover in the last minute of play and yeah that's the difference CP3 went down the other and and executed it's funny, you can, you can, you'd love to have, we'd love to have a, an OKC fan here with us because they've followed Russell his whole career. Brooksy is a Supersonics fan, so we could kind of say, fo- but no, he isn't. But yeah. you can just imagine this fan base has been watching Russell Westbrook for a decade, and then they see him doing Russell Westbrook stuff at the end of a game like that. That air ball was just, you'd think after that air ball, he would have said, okay, guys, I'm not going to do anything now. If I get a, a run out, I'll, do a, I'll, I'll throw the fast break layup. But I'm not going to do anything crazy. I'm going to play within myself. I'm going to give the ball to James Harden. I'm going to crash the boards. See, he should have been where Harden, Harden was. Play. Yes, Harden should have had the little pull up or the drive to the basket, and Russell should have been the one scrambling for the rebound. Harden, to his credit, saw what was happening and went, "Well, I can't complain. I can see Russell has already made his mind up. He's going to shoot. He's going to do something. I'm just going to do my best to keep my team in it." And he did. And Russell did his best to do Russell Westbrook things, and in the last minute of a close playoff game, So, Russ. It's just not good. You don't want... You almost want him to sub him out. If you're up by six, or you want it... If you're down by six, you want Russell. 
he just keeps coming and he can create that mm. uh, intensity that can turn create turnovers and it's a case of rocks and diamonds, though. Oh. Somebody with an elite skill set, so much creativity, and he's just, he's hit big shots. He's been there, done that. But sometimes it just looks like, it looks like pus. It just looks like he's, he hasn't taken a jump shot in a month. And it's ironic that the, the opposition point guard is the one that always takes the heat for making so-called bad mistakes in Chris Paul, and he has made a couple of blunders, but he's made so many good plays, and he, he makes so many high-percentage plays, and he just can hit a shot when he needs to oh, hit a he, shot. He, he put the thunder on his back today, without a doubt, and I think it was 22 points in the second half. Uh, I think he was, yeah, four points in the first, finished with 26 maybe, but it was just the timing when he took over. 28 points, 7 oh, 28. Points, 3 wow. assists, 10 of, 10 of 20 from the field, 5 of 5 from the line, 3 of 6 from 3, 3 steals. And you know how many turnovers? I'm going to say 1. 0. Boom, boom, How boom. the hell, if you watched that game and you saw how much he had the ball, how could you possibly go an entire game without a turnover? Decision making. How many turnovers Just, did Russell have, do you think? I'm going to say 6. <laughs> Pretty close. He had 7. You were one off in yeah. one occasion. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes stats tell the story and sometimes they don't tell the story the team stats were dead even you know um shooting percentage houston didn't have a particularly good or bad game from a three they are 15 of 44 34 percent which was slightly better okc okay, 12 of 36 33 so it was a very close game and in a close game you need a closer uh and chris paul was a better closer today and he was 100 percent without a doubt yep. has been. um and so looking at those numbers you'd think to yourself I'd be stressing hard if I was Houston going into Game 7. Do you, uh, do you have a prediction for Game 7, Drew? Uh, I said at the start, it'll go 7. I'd like it to go 7. I would like to see Houston get bounced. But it would create a better matchup with LA if the Rockets go through. I think. But I would still like to see OKC go through. Um, yeah... Stir, stir things up a bit in Houston. and I think you would regret that. Uh, no, no, you just said, you said you wanted Houston to get through? Or you no, I want OKC to get through. No. To get through. I think it would be better for in terms of the series versus LA that Houston go through because I, I think LA would demolish OKC. I but I think they'd have problems with the Rockets. But, hey, if OKC are good enough to knock off the Rockets, bring on LA. But, um, yeah. I feel like it would be very much like the Portland series if it was okay. Set. Yeah, I think so I as well. Houston shooting will win him to win a game or two, uh, and the Lakers will really struggle to dominate from the start. Uh, and look, it's that thing of uh, do you want the fairy tale or do you want the team that has actually has a chance at winning the next round? Yeah, and agree. Unfortunately, in all sports, the fairy tale looks great in the moment, but once you get you know halfway through game, the business field, end. The season, yeah, like, they could series, get wiped. It's just disappointing when it's like that. So. I mean, what we're going to have is a fantastic series in the West, whatever happens, because um, I think I think if I'm LA, I would be more than happy to play uh, Utah from the Clippers. Denver, I don't know. I mean, maybe Jamal Murray is just doing what Dame Lillard was doing in the uh, in the bubble. Um, I'm assuming you've seen all of Jamal Murray's heroics, Drew. Oh yeah. How how uh, repeatable is that? 
If well, he's dropped a, a 52, a 50, and a 40, or a 41, I think it is, in that series, albeit against a somewhat average defensive lineup in Utah. Um, Donovan Mitchell, that was a great game, though. Like, take nothing away from those two teams and those two guards. That was offensively just something brilliant to watch, watching those two superstars go at it. And it was one end, Murray, one end, Mitchell, one end, Murray. And you just think, who's going to get the better of this? And then Mitchell comes down and hits a big triple. And what, Mitchell hit 10 threes, Jamal Murray nine. And incredibly, another stat, very interesting stat. You said CP3 didn't have a turnover today. Jamal Murray didn't have a turnover for two and three-quarter games up until the last game. So I think his last turnover, he had one or two turnovers in the last game, but the stretch was in the first two games he had turnovers. Didn't have a turnover since midway through game three, or this game three, game four, game five, no turnovers. So, But did you notice who Utah had as their um, best defender, quote-unquote, on Jamal Murray when it really came down a stretch? Was it Royce O'Neal? They had Joe Ingles on Jamal when they really needed to stop. Now, Joe's a great player. Joe got a massive block on. Position. Yeah, yeah, he, but he's not, he can't. He's not renowned for his defense. They, they don't call him slow-mo Joe for nothing. You know, Jamal's yeah. getting any shot he wanted. Um, so they're both the teams. I mean, Denver's defense has, has been awful the entire bubble. Did they keep him to under 111? I, I remember that was your magic I number. They did. I think they so have. I can't remember the score, but I just... Have a recollection of yes, uh, listening to you go. There you go. So that's the money number. They hadn't held anybody in the bubble to under 111 until that game. So well, until this series, pressure's on. The previous game that they won, actually the last two games they've kept them under 111. Oh, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, it was two games, games since we last spoke. Yes, two games. So they've won. Um, but look. I think the Denver-Utah series is even even less significant in the whole scheme of things than the... Agreed, but it's fun to watch. It's wonderful. We've got to enjoy the moment. And yeah. we will enjoy Game 7, Denver-Utah. But I think we're getting closer to being closer to our original idea, which was the two LA teams. Yep. And then it's really going to be 50-50. That will be the series. To, and in one way, your OKC winning through is maybe a better thing because... They have no chance of beating the Lakers, and Houston does have a, a small chance. I think I think the Rockets do have a chance. But uh, talking about uh, unknowns and teams that may not be quite as obvious that will get through to the conference finals is the East. The East has Miami has very results. Miami, mate. What are your thoughts on uh, Miami? What did you? I think they did a number on uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, and I said that this series would go seven. I said that. Miami would give the Bucks fits, and I think it's just with their defensive tenacity. They got a couple of veterans mixed with some good youth and three-point shooters. Their ability to not take plays off. They lock in. Spolstra's got them locked in from the tip-off till the buzzer, and they're relentless, and they're good to watch. Goran Dragic had a stellar game. I think Dragic is probably the 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 un. Well, the hidden story of Miami. The hidden so, Slovenian superstar. There you go. You know, like I didn't Everybody's know. talking Doncic, but where's he now? Yeah, you know, averaging more than 20 points a game in the playoffs. Uh, in that series Rode the pine the whole, the whole season. They started rookie Kendrick Nunn. 
Kendrick Nunn delivered, got him into a playoff position. But, yeah, Goran Dragic is the man. I have, uh, I have a lot of uh, fears, uh, fears for the Deers in mm-hmm. this case. Um, because if you said to me before the game that Milwaukee was going to shoot 49% from the field, 46% from three, uh, and lose by 11, I just wouldn't have believed you. Yeah, probably, you'd probably punch me in the nose. Well, if you had told me that, I would have thought, oh, well, Miami must have made 20, 25 threes. But Miami shot only 39% from three, only 12 makes, and only 39 of 84 from the field. So they had a 46% less. They feasted inside. Yeah. Jimmy Butler got inside. Bam Adebayo got inside. Dragic, his little dipsy-doos, his little stutter steps, his, you know, drop step. Very good player. Here's, and another, here's another interesting stat, Drew. How far many, away. I love him. Okay. How many, you, now, you know some of this answer. because you, you Can you remember, though? The audience may not. So the only real difference in the game we'll get to now. But before we do, I, I'll ask you, the free throw attempts between the two teams in this game. The disparity. Yeah, how, how many? No, there wasn't. There wasn't a crazy. I think it would have been four or five. So Miami, twenty-five of twenty-seven from the line. Yeah, they shot ninety-two and a half percent. Yeah, incredible percentage. Milwaukee had almost the exact same number of attempts, twenty-six attempts, and only made fourteen. Yeah. So that's Giannis that's, four or twelve. That's eleven. Giannis four or twelve. I mean, he may as well be shooting left hand with his eyes closed at this point. It's a cliche about the regular season versus the playoffs. I realise this, and the MVP often doesn't come through. In the maybe, maybe we need to come up with a better way of projecting someone's performance in the playoffs. Maybe we can't do the MVP until after the first round. I don't know. I don't know how we do it. Maybe we have oh, to just MVP in the playoffs. The playoffs is what we care about. That's what we call, you know, it's the Larry O'Brien Trophy. At the end of the day, you can have all these personal accolades, and at the end of the day, they don't mean a pinch of poo. Absolutely. I think it's um, it's all nice to talk people up and see what they can do. And, you know, it's fun to watch amazing players play basketball and, you know, just show off their skill sets. But team basketball is nothing better. And when people buy in and you see your team see teams come together like they have in the bubble and work towards a common goal, and a common goal isn't an MVP for somebody or a most improved or a coach of the year. Or it's, even someone that gets on with his team or is a good chemistry guy or is a nice person, etc., yeah. etc. Down the stretch, you need Jimmy Butler, right? He does, he's not any of those things that I just said. Right? No, yeah. But he single-handedly, maybe not single-handedly, it was a, it was a team effort. It was a team effort, but he... You need a Jimmy Butler in your team. Different players like Chris Paul can play the Jimmy Butler role without being quite as ferocious as Jimmy. But we said last week, Jimmy and Chris Paul had a lot of things in common. Yeah, um, they hadn't quite had the situation to win in the playoffs because the, the supporting cast, and look, maybe, maybe that's something that GMs and coaches have to build into their roster a little bit. You know, LeBron is a nice guy, but he's always been criticised for not quite having that killer, killer instinct. Yeah, not quite having Kobe. Kobe definitely had it. And he oh yeah, playoff games. You need to be able to pair the right players with Kobe. I mean, Pau Gasol is probably the most important. Uh, person in the history of the Kobe Bryant legacy, right? The legacy of Kobe Bryant, without Pau Gasol, it's nothing like it is. And Pau Gasol not only was an incredibly good player, he was clearly happy being a punching bag. He was clearly happy getting yelled at. He grew from it. He says that he got better playing with Kobe. Um, And he was that perfect complement. And he uh, seemingly didn't have the ego. 
So Miami may have just put together a team perfectly complementing Jimmy Butler. Uh, some people said they're a, sh a short uh, one star, but if Dragic continues doing what he's doing, he's definitely good enough to be... And they've got the shooters. The Duncan Robinson, player. Tyler Hero. they got guys that can no, light it up. even get going today, you know? Yeah. But he played great defense, as you alluded to. Their team... Jay Crowder is full of confidence. If he's your, Jay Crowder's if he's been your there. Best player. That's a great hey, place to be. He's a tough kid, Jay Crowder. And when he when he went to Dallas, I remember it was him and was it Devin Harris? No, I was thinking White of Marquise Powell? Daniels and Devin Harris getting drafted at the same time. White Power, maybe. Yeah, I think I think it was a bit bit before, but yeah, very similar time. Yeah, and he's just the dude that you want on your team. Like you want to play next to a guy like that. Um, you get maybe a player like that every couple of teams. I'm not going to say there's a player like that in every team because there isn't. But he just brings that that X factor without having flair, without being all show and no go, just locks in, plays defense, well, if you put makes a right foul, makes a right pass, takes the right shot. It's just just a team guy. Absolutely. No, no, nothing nothing fancy. Just gets in. And he played a lot of good defense on Giannis today. Yeah. And you know what I noticed? As did Iggy Pop. Yeah, I was just about to say him. He doesn't jump out on the statue. Only played 19 minutes. But those 19 minutes were very important. Invaluable. Yeah. He was so in control. Plus minus and plus seven. Just one of the be better players on the team. And you just, you just, this is professional. He was always under control. Always calm. Got a couple of steals. Or at least forced a couple of turnovers. And I... And I will go a step further with this is the one series that I will, had changed my mind. I was already leaning a little bit towards Miami before game one, but I will, will put money on Miami to win the series. Uh, $2.52. Uh, look, Milwaukee may well win game two, which they should do as the number one seed. But I think this is going to be a long series, and my prediction is Miami in six. Woo! I like it. You think it's going to be chalk? I, I'm staying with uh, Milwaukee in seven, but... It's going to be an up-and-down seesaw affair. Like, we definitely saw Bam Adebayo dominate today. 17 rebounds, I think, he had inside. Brooke Lopez won. One rebound. Mm. I know he plays a lot of perimeter, but big boy, you've got to muscle up. You've got to put a body on somebody, and you've got to stop him getting a rebound. Like, even if you're not getting that rebound, you've got to stop, you've got to stop that big dude because they're getting second-chance looks. And that's when it opens up the perimeter for their three-point three shooters. And that needs to change. So I look to see Budenholzer turn things around. I don't know if it's going to make a massive difference, but I think you'll see a tougher, more, more invested Bucks team. They're not just going to float through the game. I think they, they're going to know what's up now. Because Miami ain't no joke. And I think Miami beat them in the regular season as well. I think it was 2-1 in the regular season, I think. But, um, yeah, they've got their number. They know how to beat them. Stop Giannis and slow down Bledsoe, George Hill. I didn't even notice Bledsoe was on the floor today. Yeah. If he, you'd said to me he didn't play, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have argued against it. Yeah. Whereas Matthews played well. Brooke Lopez was great offensively. Uh, and the thing about... This series is usually you would say, well, game two, Giannis would just put his head down and get to the line and just make them foul him, make them foul him, make them foul him. But after four from 12 from the line, I don't know if he's going to have that confidence to get fouled and go to the line and sink those free throws. 
Um, that's going to be, I feel like that's going to be the determining factor. He shoots less than 75% from the line the next game. I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. A well, lot of trouble. Well, you know, Bledsoe didn't play today. So go. that's why we didn't see him. George Hill had 36 minutes. So yeah, I don't know. I didn't see why or hear anything about Bledsoe. I, I didn't know likewise. he was on the floor. So at least he uh, wasn't there. It would have been worse if he was on the floor because I think <laughs> they're good for pointing that out. Um, uh, the last series, which it's hard to get our teeth into. I don't know what your, your thought was. Um, Boston, Boston, Toronto. Boston, Toronto. I thought it was the first quarter. Boston came out hot. Toronto didn't. They hit threes. They got buckets inside, buckets in transition. Toronto played basketball in the second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. Just didn't have enough to, to I don't know. They just came out the blocks really sluggish, really slow, um, didn't hit their shots, and Boston did. One thing's for sure. There's no home court advantage. They're not playing in Toronto. But somehow, no Jurassic Toronto's Park. game one curse is still going. Yeah. They never, ever, ever, ever. Have won. won. Like maybe one game one in like the last six years. Like they just never, ever win yeah. game one. They never do it. In the, certainly in the second and third rounds. And I was not surprised. And I will not change my prediction. I still think Toronto to win. And Same. Toronto to win the whole thing. To win, win the whole East. Um, and I just have a lot of confidence that Toronto will come out crazy in the next game. Boston hasn't really shown consistency game to game that I'd like to see. Marcus Smart had a good shooting game. I still don't think it'll be a short series. Clearly, coming back from 1-0 down, you're going to struggle to win anything less than in six. I, I kind of did think this was going to be a pretty short series. I thought missing Gordon Haywood, I thought Boston could get trounced in five. I, after what I saw, I, I know it was Brooklyn, an undermanned Brooklyn team but it just looked like Toronto were clicking. They were firing on all cylinders. They had the ball moving. It was electric out there, and their shooters were knocking them down. What we saw yesterday was none of that. Well, if, look, it's, it's all Kemba. I think he's the number one X factor on both these teams. I think both the teams without Kemba, we've kind of got a pretty good sense of how they match up. Mm -hmm. But if Kemba keeps doing what he's been doing the last couple of games... That's the chance Boston has. If he's incredible, I could maybe see Boston squeaking through. I had the feeling this series is going to be a six-gamer, though, not a seven-gamer. I think one team or the other, by the by game four, will have worked the other out, and it might be 3-1 at that stage, uh, or even 2-2. But I feel like it's one of those series that the, the winner of game five is going to be the 4-2. Eventual winner, yeah, of the I series. Think, I don't think it'll be back and forth seven-game series like maybe Miami and Milwaukee will be. Yeah, I think Miami and Milwaukee will go seven. It'll be tough. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to leave you pretty soon, Drew. So do you want to give me any uh, quick thoughts on overall rankings, any off-season off, off off thoughts, or perhaps a, an opinion on the, the mini-protest and the delay games? Uh, I thought the delay of the games was brilliant. I th think the protests needed to be done. I take my hat off to all involved. I... At this stage, I was almost... I don't care if I see another NBA basketball game because it's bigger than basketball what's happening worldwide and particularly in America. They need to sort out their issues and those issues need to be resolved for the betterment of people, for the betterment of black people and the world. And sometimes you just need 48 hours to stop. Now, you could say, oh, well, it's just a small thing. It's just basketball games. What does it mean? But what it meant was we didn't have the next new cycle, the next new cycle. We're on to the next new cycle. We had two, three, four days 
where it was just on one thing. And the best thing that the players did during this whole thing was in the very first instance, they made a declarative statement, we are not coming back. Now, obviously, they could say that and know that they could go back on their word in that regard. Yeah. They needed to say it like that, even if they knew they were probably going to come back, because they needed people to legitimately think it was over. And you and I, I'm sure, sitting in our lounge rooms, thought to ourselves, well, if they say it's over, and that's what it has to be, and yeah. it's an important issue, that it's, it's over. Um, and I think it just stopped. Very rarely these days do we see the news cycle in any way slowed or stopped. And I think that really did give it uh, not only a, uh, uh, a cease, ceasefire where things could be said, but it allowed another two or three days after that when games resumed where the, where, where the discussion was back again. Because it had sort of the, 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 the jersey names and all that sort of stuff had sort of faded a little bit from... Even the commentators mentioning it, but it gave another two or three days worth of... And this just has to always be at the forefront of people's minds all around the world, not just, you know, the That's rise right. of conservatism has got to be a concern and people have to at least realise, nothing wrong with being conservative, but you have to know you're being conservative and you have to know that your society is getting more conservative and you have to be uh, happy to have voted for that. And just think about, do you want your society to move in that direction and vote accordingly? Agreed. Yeah. I, I Did you see the Jamal Murray interview post-match? I did. He probably got out about 22 words. Incredible. Hit home, yeah. you know. It hurts. Hurts a lot of people worldwide. And maybe that's why he's stepping up. You know, he feels that he has to. He feels like this strength and this is his, this is his time. All lies on him. It's it gives me it gives me goosebumps. It's yeah, it's sad. It's truly truly sad. Well, I think that's no other no other thing to say on that. I think that's a fitting way to to finish it up. I think it's an important point and important issue to uh, go out on. Agreed. Thanks very much, Jeremy. Thanks very much, Dimers. We'll be with you soon. Peace. Peace.